And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a beautiful Friday morning on the East Coast where it's time to talk about the stretch run at the bottom and the upcoming draft lottery, which we're only two and a half months away from, a draft lottery that could change the whole landscape of the league. And there are four teams that have really separated themselves at the bottom. Congratulations to those four teams for really separating themselves at the bottom from everybody else. And nobody knows the draft better than world traveler in gyms that like Adam Sandler's in with Bobon at the beginning of Hustle. Jonathan Gavoni, how are you, sir? I'm great, Zach. How are you? What was the last country you were in? France, you know, which makes a lot of sense, right? I spent a week with uh, with Brian Windhorst in Paris. We were working on um story, which some people read last week, and there's a lot more coming. Also a TV feature. So we got a lot of great content on Victor. Got to spend a lot of time with him, with his family. It was amazing. You know what? Let's just start there. I was going to start with the mess in Atlanta. I don't want to talk about the mess in Atlanta right now. We can do that later. Hawks, caw-caw, cawing around. Um, what did you learn about Wembanyama? Your story posted last week. I read it. Um, you know, I think the the general, for those who don't have insider or didn't read it. Um, it was I think free. The gen- it was free. Oh, well, then you have no excuse, people. Read. <laughs> Reading. It's fundamental. Um, I think the, the general takeaway I got as someone who's never interacted with him before, I know his agents a little bit, was the the idea that he is really trying to close off his circle, focus on basketball, focus on playing for a team that is really built around just preparing him for the NBA and happens to be winning Anyway, turning down a lot of financial opportunities, a lot of sponsorship opportunities. Um, and, and I think the takeaway was supposed to be, I think, this guy's a serious basketball player who's taking this very seriously, who's trying to prepare his mind, his body, sleeping 11 hours a night, which but makes me so jealous whenever I read about people who are told to sleep 11 hours a night, um, preparing himself in a very serious way for the NBA. Did any of that surprise you what 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 else did you learn about this phenom the the most important prospect since lebron probably that you didn't know and maybe didn't even make the story that when you went to france yeah well he's been very sheltered from a very early age and that's by design his parents are not huge fans of uh all the attention that he's receiving especially now you know they vented to us pretty well about just how hard it is for him to leave his house and how intrusive people are they're so rude everyone wants to take selfies with him and um but victor actually loves it and so but he's he's open to it i just what you know struck me about him is how interesting of a person he is he's um he's kind of like an old soul in a lot of ways um, he's into classical music. He likes drawing. He's into poetry, really loves art. Um, and he, you know, he's got a real plan in his mind for how things are going to go for him um, in the NBA. And, you know, he his agents, you know, they make suggestions and they have advice. But at the end of the day, he's his own man. And, and that's, you know, you don't really see that a lot from a 19 year old. Uh, but at the same time, they've done a great job with just positioning him and managing him and making sure that every aspect of his life is taken care of. And that he, like you said, can really fully focus on basketball and being the best basketball player that he can be. And, um, you know, just with the physical therapist that works with him on a day-to-day basis, twice a day, sometimes, and all the, you know, the work that he's putting on his body, um, 
And I think that, you know, he's um, he's probably the most micromanaged prospect that I've seen. I mean, he's basically in the NBA already, even though he's in France. I mean, he's living that lifestyle, not just like the, the, the glitz and the glamour, but also but just in terms of how serious he is about his craft and um, and how how much they're focused on making sure that he has the best chance possible to be one of the best players of all time, which that's, that's their goal. They'll tell you that straight up. I, in watching the little I've watched of him games highlights, I, I'm almost more excited about the defense than the offense. This guy is blocking shots like out of nowhere and not doing crazy out of rotation things to do it. And, you know, it just looks ridiculous, and he's going to be – I think he's going to walk in the league and be a very good player right away, which is rare. Um, in watching him and talking to NBA people who have watched him a lot, what's what's changed about his game in the last four or five months? Is there, is there, any, is there any area that he's gotten better at noticeably that you hear people talking about? It dep- you know, I asked Victor the same question because my – a lot of the criticism that you heard about him early in his career, people would say like, he's not aggressive and he needs to get tougher. And you hear that a lot about young big men, especially really skinny ones, you know, like he had a tendency to kind of float from the three point line to the three point line, not box out, not rebound, you know, just settle for jumpers um, and kind of fade in and out of games sometimes, you know, like you watch him like at this, you know, there's the Adidas next generation tournament that he played in two years ago. And he, you know, he, he put up great numbers. He's always going to put up great numbers, but he didn't really dominate the game the way that you expected. And then comes these G league ignite games in October. And it was like, Holy cow. I haven't seen a more aggressive player in my life. I mean, he just came out to dominate he was asserting himself on both ends of the floor. There's really, there's no questions anymore about the aggressiveness, the toughness. I mean, he's really grown into that. And Victor would say, you know, that he needs to be put in that situation where he's being utilized to be aggressive and given that freedom and that he hasn't always had that opportunity um, at different points in his career to really express himself and 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 bring that out of him in terms of being a guy who, you know, is, is given the freedom to create his own shot, to shoot off the dribble, to pass off a live dribble and to do all those things. And so, you know, that's like, and that's part of it is the situation that he's been put in, which is an absolute perfect situation for him. Handpicked coach, handpicked roster. Um, you know, the, the whole show is about, is about him, but he's, taken that and shown that he can win i mean they're in second place in france right now he's far and away the leading candidate for mvp he's leading the league in scoring and rebounds and blocks and he's doing it in a very efficient way so you know though i mean and and there's still so much room to grow there you know not just physically uh but also you know with his passing ability his ability to use his left hand he's not a finished product by any means so and that that's what's it it's exciting you know because you talk to him off the court and you're like, this guy is incredibly intelligent. And then you watch him play and you're like, holy cow, this guy is not only incredibly gifted talent wise, but he's so smart. His feel for the game is off the charts. And when you talked about defensively, that's where it really shows up the most right now. Um, is there any concern that front office evaluators have about him other than the concern that they have about everybody who's seven four, seven five, and tall and sometimes skinny with which is health and feet and all that. Is that the only 
Is that the only concern that there is? I mean, is there any, have you found anyone who's like, I think he's just going to be good or just like, I'm kind of lukewarm on Vic. There's nobody like that, right? There's nobody like that. He is one of the best prospects we've ever seen. Every person that you talk to feels the same way. Just walking around the gym after those G League Ignite games, you could see the smiles on the faces of these really bad teams. They were like, oh, my God, this is an easy one. You know, like at some point, you know, like halfway through the game, usually I sit there. I'm taking really meticulous notes on my laptop. I'm locked in. I'm, you know, every possession I'm, I'm evaluating. At some point, I just like I close the laptop and I'm like, there's nothing else to see here. Let me just and enjoy they- the show. I mean, it's so much fun. And they love easy ones because easy ones are the ones that are risk free from a job security standpoint, from a public perception standpoint. Like, you're, you're, if, if, if something bad happens to Wembenyama in five years, no one is ever going to criticize you for picking him first. And I remember when, when the Hawks did the Luca Trey trade, where they traded um, down out of the Luca pick and got the Cam Reddish pick, the, the pick that became Cam Reddish was a lottery pick from Dallas. I remember saying the next day, like, I almost admire the guts that Travis Schlank, Schlank, and I think the ownership of that of the Hawks was involved in that too, heavily, heavily wanted Trey. Because you you can get fired for passing on Luka Doncic. That can get you fired. You never get fired for taking, just sitting there and taking Luka Doncic. That's like an easy one. You never get fired for that. And I remember saying at the time, Let's just see how the trade plays out because they moved down a couple of slots. They got a player we all agree is good. I think Trey has made an all-NBA team already. Um, and let's see where this other pick ends up and who they use it on. Well, it ended up on number 10, and it ended up on Cam Reddish, who is on his third team in a year and a half and you know put up some empty numbers last night for the Portland you know Tarmac team, the Tarmac remains of the Blazers. <laughs> um, and Travis Slank, Step down. Slash was pushed out. Slash is a fake advisor now for the Hawks, and they are in disarray. They fired their coach out of not nowhere because there had been rumblings about the Nate McMillan Trey relationship since the mysterious miss shoot around and the communication gaps that existed there. And um, but I think a lot of people within that team, players, coaches, staff, were blindsided by. 23 games to go at the end of the all-star break. We're pulling the trigger now on this. And I think Quinn Snyder would be a really interesting hire for them. We could talk about that later, but like safe choices. People like safe choices. People don't like Durant Odin. Durant Odin's a risky one. That's a risky one. Um, I, I, John Hollinger, our, our old colleague wrote a piece this week about, um, it, it, and, and I don't follow this like you do. And he does about how there's suddenly a huge gap between perception of, Wembenyama and Scoot, and then everybody else in the draft. That wasn't the case at the beginning of the season. This was the draft. It's like, oh, if we get like the sixth pick or the fourth pick or the third pick, the Thompson Twins, this and that, like we're all going to be, obviously we all want one or two, but those are all going to be really good players. Is that, do you agree? Have you heard the same? Or is this still like a, a really good draft one to whatever? Um, I disagree. I mean, I think that um, a year ago, you know, people looked at it as, you know, really like a two player draft. It was Victor and then Scoot and then a big gap after that. And I don't think anything has really changed. I mean, there were a lot of questions in my mind a year ago about, you know, who is the number one prospect in college? You know, like, which is that's a really weird question to ask. You know, you don't normally, normally by now, you know. And so 
I, I think that, um, yeah, some of the guys in the mid lottery are confusing um, and they're not all having the kind of year that you would want. And then this Brandon Miller situation, in Alabama is a complete mess. Uh, but that's normal. Honestly, like I feel like every draft is like that. The NFL schedule drops this week and you could be there to catch all the action live and in person with vivid seats experience, every touchdown, every tackle, every eye popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off vivid seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code low. That's code low L O W E my last name, the name of this podcast, download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid seats experience it live. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's talk about how the draft is shaping up. Um, we know who the bottom four teams are going to be. There's like a 10-game gap between them and everybody else. Houston, San Antonio, who's lost 15 games in a row. I mean, it's hard to lose 15 games in a row in the NBA. Charlotte and Detroit, uh, who lost Cade Cunningham very early in the season, barely played. Uh, those teams are all 13 and 45, 14 and 46. Um, no one can catch them. Like there, There is no species of tanking that exists for pick a team that's above them in the standings. They are uncatchable. Those are going to be the four worst teams in the league. The only suspense is which one of them will be fourth and have slightly less chance of getting the number one pick. The first three all have a 14% chance of getting the number one pick. I do think there's, it will be interesting to see and the Blazers tarmac experience kind of alerted people to this. Like five is very much in reach for a whole bunch of teams, if Orlando and Indiana, who are currently tied in the loss column for that five spot, continue to try to win, and Orlando, by all accounts, is going to continue to try to win, they escaped the Pistons, or the Pistons escaped with a loss. I'm not sure which is the appropriate way to frame it last night. Um, you look at a team like the Bulls, who are 26 and 33. They're like a fake injury and a losing streak away from having a much better chance of keeping their top four protected pick that they owe the magic than, um, than I think people realize. And I just think there could be some jostling for that. I mean, you look at that fifth spot, you have a 10 and a half percent chance of the number one pick and a 10 and a half percent chance at the number two pick and a 10 and a half percent chance at three and four. You have like a 42% chance at a top four pick. That's a valuable, valuable slot, but we all know who the big four are. Um, and I asked you as a thought exercise and I did the same to rank if you could be the GM of one of them starting now or of any of them starting now with all the assets that they have, with the players that they have, with the contracts that they have starting from this day forward going into this lottery. So you don't know where you're going to finish. You could finish one. You could finish two. You could get Wembanyama. You could get a Thompson swim. You could get lucky. You could get unlucky. You could pick seventh. 
of Detroit, Charlotte, Houston, San Antonio, I will let you go first. Who is the one of those four that you would most like to be the GM of? Yes. So first of all, I mean, it's a complicated question because there's so many factors that go into this and to like how attractive a situation uh, is for an NBA team. And a lot of it is out of their control. You know, you look at ownership, you look at location, you look at their history, you look at how much can you sell agents and players and what you've done in the past and what can you build in the future. But for me, looking at those four teams, I think you need to look at San Antonio first when you blend Ooh. all those things together. Um, you know, I think if you went to Victor Wembanyama's camp right now and you gave them truth serum and you said, pick your ideal landing spot from those four, I'm sure it would be the Spurs over those other teams, you know, especially if, you know, the other kind of attractive situations, you know, the Toronto's and Oklahoma City, that doesn't look like it's realistic, you know, as things currently stand. But like you said, it's close there between Orlando, you know, at, at you know, have 35 losses and Toronto have 31, you know, like that's not a big gap. Toronto is, the you know, would be picking 12th right now, you know, like obviously we don't know what they're playing and all that. So, but, you know, going back to, to the Spurs, I, I really like what they're building. Uh, I think Jeremy Sohan is an absolute stud. Um, you know, Schmitz was super high on him and he absolutely nailed that one. Um, he's going to be so good. Uh, you know, just seeing him in the rising stars. And I, you know, I did this rookie power rankings thing before, before the rising stars. And I, you know, watched him kind of unleashed in this, you know, tankathon situation that they're currently in where they're letting him play point guard. And he, and he's got all this freedom to do whatever he wants. And, and by the way, he only know, plays every other game. Like they don't, they don't play. It's like every Spurs game. It's like, who's out now? This guy's out. That guy's out. They're starting up like Bates he, he missed some time. And, yeah. He had a, he had a back injury or whatever, but um, I mean, he's a really, really exciting talent to me. And then he's got an incredible personality on top of that. He's the kind of guy that you want in your organization. He's someone that you want to build on, build around. And then you got, you know, Calvin Johnson, Devin Vassell, Malachi Branham. There's some interesting wings, you know? And so like you get Victor um, and then, you know, a point guard to go along with that. Obviously it's you know easier said than done, but you've got something pretty interesting brewing and they've got this culture of, you know, having won not that long ago and, um, you know, you're in Texas, there's no income tax, whatever, you know, there's, a, there's, they got some things, pretty nice weather, you've got some things going for them. It's not going to be the most attractive of a free agent destination. I think Houston probably of the four is maybe the most attractive. Um, uh, and then two, I go, well, hold on, let me, let me stop you on Spurs. Okay. Okay. Go um, for it. So if you could guarantee me now that I'm the Spurs and I get one of the first two picks, I don't even need to get number one. I think they would vault to number one on my rankings. Right. Well, Scoot is a great fit there too. So either one of them is amazing for, for San Antonio. Now, I only have a 27.4% chance of getting one of the first two picks currently where I am now in the standings. And if, if I keep losing every single game, that will stay what my odds are. So I can't, I can't in ranking them today, bank on a 27.5% chance. So I had the Spurs third on my list. Right. And you mentioned the free agent destination thing. Uh, Houston has that advantage over them. I think Houston has the one player of all the current young players that has the best chance of being like a star star. 
And that's Jalen Green. And I know everyone's like off of Jalen Green. He's had a super disappointing second year. That place is a freaking tire fire. And poor Steven Silas, I think, is going to probably not be the coach next year. Um, he seems like he's going to be the fall guy for they're basically playing a college team every single night. Total, dis, totally disorganized. He's shooting. Jalen Green's shooting has been disappointing. His defense has been disappointing. I still think the potential of popping into a star is higher for him than for Vassell or Sohan or Branham. Um, and Detroit, I had uh, above San Antonio. I'm not going to say where yet, just because I feel like in Cunningham, they have of all of these guys the closest thing currently to a surefire all-star player who I feel like his game translates to real competitive high-level NBA basketball now if he's healthy. And I've heard the shin rehab stuff is going really well for him and their their expectations are for him to be fine. But on San Antonio, I love Vassell. Keldon Johnson I, I is fine. Like, it's fine. I'm not as high on Keldon Johnson as a lot of people are. His contract, though, that thing declines. He's making $17.5 million in 26-27. That's going to be a really good contract. Um, Sohan, I love. I, I Like, I love Sohan. I'm all in on Sohan. He, he does everything I like about it. He passes. He cuts. He's a good defensive player. He's got a little ISO post-up bully ball to him against size mismatches that he's been able to show. Tell me about Branham. Because Branham has had a really nice last month, has a just a gorgeous old school mid range game, starting to shoot the three a little better. What was the book on him? He's a six five kind of combo guard. They're playing him at the point sometimes now with Trey Jones, whatever Trey Jones's absence has been lately. I can't even remember. What was the book on Branham coming out? Because he he has outperformed his draft slot considerably and looks more like a potential core player for them than I thought he would be at this time of year. So he wasn't really considered like a one and done guy coming into the year. I think he was, you know, he was a four star recruit. I think he was ranked around 30 or something like that, you know, like in his high school class. He didn't light the world on fire to start the season at Ohio State. He was coming off the bench and, he, you know, and then he was playing this complimentary role. But as the year moved on and they got into Big Ten play, he became the guy for them. He was playing 36 to 38 minutes. He had a phenomenal game in the NCAA tournament against Villanova. They ran their entire offense through him. And that's very rare for a freshman, especially a guy who, you know, isn't this five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American, who everybody was really excited about from day one. So a little bit similar to the season that he's having now. He got off to a slow start in San Antonio. But then you look at him like the month of February, I just looked at this, 19 points a game, 41% for three, 59 for two. Um, you know, the flashes are just really, really high level. Um, you know, this guy, he's a hooper. I mean, he's not really like, he's not an athlete. He doesn't have like, you know, the best body that you'll, you'll find. And I remember watching him. He did a pro day. It was like a one on zero in Chicago. And it was probably the most underwhelming from all the pro days because it was very low energy and he didn't make shots. He looked kind of scared. And I remember like talking to all these gyms. They're like, man, this is a bad look. I'm like, dude, this is not a pro day guy. This is a five on five player. Put him in a gym with, you know, he should be playing in the combine because that's where people are going to see his value. I mean, this guy is built for the modern NBA. 
He can go get his own shot. He's tremendous in the mid range. Uh, you know, he's got all this dynamic shot making ability, but he can also, you know, he could do stuff inside the arc too. And he's super young on top of that. And, you know, 6'10 wingspan. So you can, he can guard threes, but he's got guard skills. Uh, so, I mean, I think the guy is, is tremendous. Yeah. I've really liked what I've seen. He has a weird kind of start and stop rhythm to his game, which, you know, it, that can cut both ways. Like the ability to change pace between dribbles is really important. He can do the thing where he kind of gets his defender on his hip and keeps probing. On the other hand, he's he sometimes I want him to go a little faster. Like it's very, very slow and you want a little more oomph. And that's where the athleticism comes in. And I'm not sure it can take time for teammates to get used to that kind of rhythm from a guy who has the ball a lot to, to know when to move and when to flare out for three and when to cut. Sohan, the same thing. Sohan at the beginning of the year was just cutting all over the place, cutting in the way, cut, screwing up their spacing, but that's fine. That's like young player stuff. I, it, all of these guys, I think are going to be very, could be very good complimentary players. Vassell has a chance to be like an A++. I mean, he's averaging 20 a game this season, shooting 40% from three and taking tough shots and making them. So he has maybe a ceiling that's even higher than that. But they are more in search of the sort of straw that stirs the drink player, I, I think, than some of these other teams. And that's when if you plop Wimbanyama or Scoot into this, they rock it. Not up the league yet, but their long-term trajectory rockets up. And by the way, sneaky amount of of draft equity like I think we know about the Hawks pick they have a Charlotte pick that came in the DeJounte Murray trade that's okay it's like lottery protected so they won't get it for a while they have the Raptors pick one to six protected in 2024 2025 2026 from Pirtle probably get that next year the Raptors I think have signaled they want to continue to be pretty good that could be an okay pick Hawks unprotected 2025 Hawks unprotected swap 2026. Hawks unprotected 2027. Chicago top 10 protected starting in 2025 and then top eight, top eight from DeRozan. That could be an okay pick. Boston top one protected swap rights all the way out in 2028. They have more stuff. They're not on the list. Like when teams, people start listing all the teams who own all the extra picks, it's like Utah, Oklahoma City, Houston, Brooklyn. Now, like they have a sneaky amount of stuff. Um, I just, I just don't know, like, what of their current players. We'll see who they get in the draft has like star star potential. Um, but I, I, I don't mind you ranking them number one. And I think if they get lucky in the lottery, they would, they would potentially be number one. Um, of these teams. They have the interesting stuff going on. Competence, I think is an important word that you got to talk about, you know, like when you're talking about the worst teams in the league and it's a, it's a situation that, you know, like people know these guys at their front office and they trust them and they trust their situation. And a lot of agents, like they just, they don't like, like a lot of these, they don't want their players going to these places and San Antonio, they're fine with it. Interesting. Um, they did well in the DeJounte Murray trade. I keep going back to the Hawks because they've been in the news, obviously, this week. If Quinn Snyder gets that job, that's going to be really interesting because someone needs to go in there and deal with the Trey Young situation. Like, he's got to move off the ball a little bit. Like, you can't trade all this stuff for DeJounte Murray and just have him spotting up around Trey Young pick and rolls, just waiting for his turn when Trey Young decides to pass. 
you've got to get someone who makes him buy into that to setting screens a little bit to, to not being the worst defensive player in the entire league. And Quinn Snyder had a really interesting tenure in Utah where he started off in like this beautiful machine of like equal opportunity offense. The ball's moving all around. Joe Ingles has it. Then this guy has it. And the longer he stayed there, the more it became a more simple offense built around Donovan Mitchell pick and rolls than anything else. And I'd just be interested to see what he goes in there and does if he gets that job. I think he's an amazing coach. Like if they can hire Quinn Snyder, they should absolutely hire Quinn Snyder. He would be amazing. He brings accountability. He brings gravitas. He brings experience. Strategically, he is like one of these maniac geniuses that you will have to have on your team. It that that situation is it just hasn't been great since they made the conference finals two years ago. Their their current starting five has actually been really good all year, but they've got guys in and out of the lineup. And now that's a good transition into Detroit, actually, because they made a trade with the Pistons to get Sadiq Bay. You had Pistons number two of these of these uh of these four four teams. I think we're both gonna have the same one in last, but to sell me on Detroit at number two. I just look at what they have in terms of the high-end talent. I, I like the Pistons the most from those four. I think Jaden Ivey is going to be a star. Um, you know, just the strides that he's made this year with his pull-up jumper. I mean, so impressive. He made five threes yesterday. I mean, that was considered, you know, the weakness in his game going in. And because, you know, he's an incredible athlete. I mean, you just can't stay in front of him. He gets anywhere he wants on the floor. He doesn't really know how to finish right now. That's, you know, that's the next step in his development. But if you have a guy that other teams cannot stay in front of, I mean, that just makes everything so much easier. You pair him with Cade Cunningham and with Jalen Duran, who I think is an absolute stud. Also, the youngest player in the league um, has, you know, huge potential defensively, great hands, you know, great finisher, um, you know, shows you some flashes of passing ability, um, you know, uh, and so you have a really impressive core. And so you have a lot to build around there. I'm not sure if, you know, again, free agents want to go there and all that, you know, but like, I think they've done a really, really good job, um, you know, in the draft here, the the last, especially last year, getting um, Ivy and Duran, in my opinion, both, they went lower than they should have went. Lukewarm take, I had Detroit number one out of these four teams, which is lukewarm because free agents are not going to go there. Or or you'll, you'll get the winner's curse free agents. You'll get the, the free agents that you have to overpay for, and you know maybe their deals don't age well. Like, why is Marvin Bagley making $12 million? I have absolutely no idea. No one has any idea why they paid Marvin Bagley that contract. He never plays. He's reportedly coming back soon. His fit on this team is like, I, I guess he just has to play the four all the time now because they just got another center in James Wiseman. Um, but anyway, I had them and, and they have their net minus one first round pick. They owe a pick, I think, to New York. Um, and so they don't have this bounty of extra stuff to go out and get theoretical star X in three years. I don't I, I still have the number one because I have Cade, I have Ivy and I have Durin. And I have the same odds right now as these other teams of getting Wembenyama or Scoot. Right now, today, February 24th, the, that 27.5% chance plus that core, I'm ranking them number one despite the lack of the picks. Ivy, the first two months of the season, as someone who doesn't watch college basketball much, I was so disappointed in Jaden Ivey. I was like, this is the guy that there's been all this. He's just out of control. He's taking horrible shots. He's flying around the court. His turnovers are just awful. 
the last two months, he has calmed down, playing at a better pace. His pull-up looks good from two and three. He's got a floater. He's got a little, like, go-to-his-left-leaning floater that he draws fouls on all the time. He looks now like the player that everyone told me he was. Duran, I go ahead. I just, Jaden Ivey, you're six foot four. You have long arms. You've got an incredible body. You're one of the best athletes in the NBA. You can't be the worst defender in the NBA. Bend your knees, try, because like he really, that's always been the knock on him is like, is he going to guard? You know, like that was the question at, at Purdue. And, and that's the one disappointment that I have with him is that like the, the, the lack of intensity that I get, like they're trying to lose every game. Nobody cares, you know, like, but that's the one thing that I want to see him work on next to- year. Is totally defense. agree. He runs into picks. He gets lost in rotation. Um, you can see him like swiveling around, like in mid rotation, like where am I supposed to go? The corner of the wing. This is a big player development summer for the Pistons and a big player development test for the Pistons and their coaching staff. And I, because I think they need to get him in the lab and, and, not work on the cool stuff. They need to work on like the passing reads and slowing down and the the nitty gritty of defense with him. Duran is already number six in offensive rebounding in the league. He has a second and a third jump that like you blink and he's already jumped four times. Defensively, he's going to be fine. He has all the tools. He's going to be quick enough to switch, which is what they want him to do eventually. He can drop. He can protect the rim. He's shown a little bit of a face-up game every now and then when he gets a chance. Um, those three and Cade, I'm a, I'm just a, I'm a Cade believer. I, I just, I just remain skeptical that uh, of this Isaiah Stewart power forward thing. I just don't know that he's going to be dynamic enough on offense to make that work with Duran at the five and him at the four or Wiseman at the five and him at the four. I, I just, I guess I'm skeptical of that. Um, I like I their offense makes more sense when Bogdanovich or Livers, who's a pretty good player, is at the four. I think that's a that's a question mark for me of 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 how do they fill that spot? Which is why like the Bay Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman was an interesting thing for them. I think Sadiq Bay is pretty good. I, I I was disappointed with his play this year. His shooting's been eh. His defense has been eh. He hasn't really made the kind of a, like three and D and drive off the catch advancements that I wanted to see. I don't know that I'd, I want James Wiseman over him though. I thought that was an interesting trade. What did you think of that? I had heard that he was asking for insane money this upcoming summer, that the the feeling was that he was going to need like a Deandre Hunter type contract in order to keep him. And so if that's the case, you know, like to me, like he's closer to doing like a mid-level guy than like, 20 plus million dollars per year and so i don't know do you fight it out in restricted free agency and say hey go get an offer sheet whatever nobody's going to offer him that kind of money that's what restricted free agency is for that's why you have it that's why the players hate it and and fight against it in the cba as they should yeah i mean you know i think sometimes you when you're in you're a team in that situation you pick and choose your battles um especially when you know his agent represents Cade Cunningham, you know, and so like sometimes you you say, okay, we'll we'll help you guys out this time. We'll trade him. He'll get paid. Help us out on the next one, you know. Like, um, and I don't know for a fact that that's what happened, but that's I'm guessing that that has something to do with it. What is Killian Hayes going to be? There was like a month in December or something when he started making some shots, and it's like, all right, 
Killian Hayes. It's like maybe maybe we all wrote him off too soon. I think like defensively, he really fights. He's got good hands. He's got a great body type. He can get where he wants to go in the mid range, at least on offense. Uh, getting to the rim and shooting threes is a different story. Then then that kind of faded. He was coming off the bench for a second. Um, now he's back starting again. They're bringing Burks off the bench instead of starting him because it's it's full on tank time. Um, he's still shooting thirty seven percent. 31% on threes, 41% on twos. I think he's only 21. I, I remember the concern coming out of the draft uh, uh, among the Hayes skeptics was the Harden comparisons, all that. Like he doesn't have the explosiveness and the burst and the ability to get to the rim that James had or whoever, whatever lead ball handler you want to compare him to. And I, and I that has borne out to me. Is he... What is he? Is he a core player? For, I mean, I, Ivy and Cunningham, I've obviously just way vaulted over him in the Pistons' long-term hierarchy. What is he going to be? So I was the Killian Hayes hater in the draft, if you remember. I came on the podcast and I talked about why I thought the German League was the most overrated in, in Europe and why he's like picking on all these guys that he's not he's doing things in there over there that's not realistic and so i had him ranked as like a mid first guy and i was very surprised when they drafted him where they did um but actually going through watching some pistons games here lately i was like you know what killian hayes is like i mean he's probably a backup you know but like he's six foot five he's 21 years old he's got a really good feel for the game you know and so and he's guarding you know, so that's guarding, a pretty good place well. to start. So I'm, I actually came away from that watching experience being like, you know what, Killian Hayes, if he were like in a more competitive situation, people might look at him as like a guy that's kind of interesting. I think he's going to be kind of interesting. I just don't know. How do you how does he start anymore for them with Ivy? No, he doesn't need now. to start. He's a, he's a very good backup, you know, like, um, I mean, you, you just got to forget about where you drafted him and just say like, now we've, you know, we've got this guy under contract. He's the same age as most of our other young players. And like, let's roll with it, you know, cause he's a super high character guy and he's a very hard worker. And so I think that you just, you know, he's not going to be what you thought he was where you drafted him, but that doesn't matter because you have so many other high picks since then it's going to be fine. You're not going to get every single draft pick, right? Speaking of, you have to forget where your draft where you drafted him. Uh, they have James Wiseman on their team now, and they really went after James Wiseman. Like they, I've, I've heard the same stuff about what the what contract Sadiq Bay wants. You know, twenty million for Sadiq Bay. That's a lot. It's a lot of money for a guy who maybe you think is a good reserve when your team gets good. I mean, that's I think that's what you have to conclude. The Pistons thought is like we don't think this guy's a long term starter for us. We used to talked him up like that. Don't think about it anymore. Because if you did think he was your long-term tweener forward, 3 and D, 18 a game, 38% from three, switch across all those, but you thought he was that player, you you wouldn't trade him. You'd keep him and pay him what DeAndre Hunter makes or whatever whatever comp you want to use. Instead, they have Wiseman who Duran Duran's already better than him. And long-term, I don't I, like I would much rather have Duran. Wiseman will show you some stuff every once in a while, but he's far away. I, th- I just thought that was an interesting move. Um, and you know, again, I'm ranking them one now just cause we don't know how the lottery is going to unfold. And they have the same odds as Houston, San Antonio right now, Charlotte's and actually in the fourth best odds. 
shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for summer and warmer days. It's also the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your personalized training in mind. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes help you focus on your needs and goals. They are also made to challenge you with a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, okay? full body strength, marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. Peloton's expert coaches and nonstop vibes, hashtag vibes, will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. And with a wide variety of options, whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. That's onepeloton.com. I went. Uh, I assume now we both had Houston. What, where did you? I had Houston. I had Houston second, actually, over the Spurs. As again, as of today, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that because they have been just utterly unwatchable for most of the year. But I, I think Green has the perimeter superstar potential. Shengun is the best player on the team already. Shengun's good. I am just, I am a sucker for Tari Eason. Just a, I love everything about Tari Eason. They will get free agents there. In fact, my fear is that they will get the wrong free agents there in some irrational exuberance slash panic about, holy shit, we owe the Thunder our pick top four protected, not just in 2024, but in 2026 because James Harden on his way out the door made us trade for Russell Westbrook and we did it and we gave up Chris Paul in these picks. We have to get good. Maybe we should bring James Harden back. That seems like a horrible idea, uh, but maybe we'll do it. Um but they will get people there. They control all the Brooklyn Nets draft picks from 2024 to 2027 via picks and swaps. That's a, a good, I think, investment to be, although the Nets have, have recovered well and I, and I think are signaling we're going to try and be good. It's been a disaster on the floor. They have no organizing principle on offense unless the ball is in Shengun's hands, in which case things start to make a little bit more sense. And can they just give him the ball more? I don't understand why. It's been almost a relief that Kevin Porter Jr. has been injured because they only have he just dribbles all the time and he's shot it pretty well. He's averaging 19 6 and 6. He was one of the best catch and shoot three pointers, three point shooters in the league last year. You can't take catch and shoot threes if you're dribbling all the time. But anyway, between Shengun and Green and the picks, I I actually almost had them number 1 despite the fact that they've just been so hard to watch. I don't even. I, I feel like a crazy person for for being like still having some optimism about them. 
I mean, if you're being offered the GM job, you know, like there is some very attractive components to that job. It's, you know, it's the most attractive location of the four franchises we're talking about. Free agents would actually want to play there. It's a big city, no income tax. Uh, I was surprised that you talked about Jalen Green as like the, you know, like the most, uh, Shingoon to me, like is the one that I'm most excited about. I should have led with, I've talked about Shingoon a lot on this podcast. Yeah. I am super high on Shingoon. He's been the best player yeah. on the team by far. I guess I'm just thinking like, it feels like you always need a, a perimeter guy who right. can get you like 25 and six. Like, and maybe, maybe you don't if Shingoon is like, I don't even want. I don't know what Shingun is going to be, but I, that, I am Shingun's really, really good. Yeah, I'm just you know, I, I like you. I'm worried about Jalen Green to be honest with you because I just haven't seen like any improvement with his decision making and his defense like since he entered the league. Like you want to see guys. He's gotten making, worse. He's gotten he's, worse exactly. And so like, and that's where you know, I'm a little, I'm worried about the trajectory that he's on. And but like if you're the G, if if you get the GM job tomorrow, you come in there, you fire the coach, um, you get rid of Kevin Porter, and you know you need to clean out. Just, hold on, just stop for a second. You said just you're out of the Kevin Porter business. If you're Jonathan Gavoni GM, it's you're non guaranteed non guaranteed contract, right? Like just cut him. That's it. And and you're sending a signal to the league. We're going to do things differently from here on out. You know, you the, when you talk to people around the NBA about Houston, you just don't hear good things about their culture. You know, about their locker no, it's room. A, it's you, a you hear it's a circus. It's like a complete circus. You talk to you know people that are, are on that team. They're like, we are a mess. You know, and so do people want to work with this organization? You know, but like you could change that fairly quickly i would think if you come in and you you know you get rid of the bad apples and you change the coaching staff and all of a sudden you're houston you're just the third biggest city in america you know like there is some there's a history here of you actually being good like you said you have picks you have cap room there are some things to work with shangun is a very interesting guy to to build around and you know joan green may, is even if he's a six man you know like he's pretty freaking dynamic and explosive and his scoring instincts are incredible. So there's some things to work with with Houston for sure. This is a big summer for Rafael Stone and that front office because this is three straight years of being terrible. And they don't seem to be getting as much of the Philly, Oklahoma City pearl clutching about, oh my God, they're so bad. They're, they're trying to do the process. This is so bad for the NBA. Nobody seems to care that Houston is on their third straight year of being terrible. Um, they do have all this cap space. They just need, whether it's through a coaching staff, whether it's signing some mid-career veterans who add some kind of organization to their team, they just can't play this way another season. They can't be this sort of just random, awful on defense. I mean, Awful transition defense, half court defense. They have no idea what they're doing. And I understand they're super young. Young teams don't know what they're doing, but I don't know if it's the players, the coaches, all of it. They're not getting better. They're getting worse. And they free agency or whatever aside, they just need to, they need to show progress as like in like actual basketball skills and not just dunks and cool highlights. Um, it's a big summer. It's a big summer in that regard. I may, I, I feel like I'm beginning to be a little bit lonely 
not being super duper nervous about Jabari Smith Jr. I've heard the word bust thrown around already about him. And I get why. 12.7 rebounds, 39% shooting, 30% from three. That was supposed to be the skill right away, right? Everything else would come later. The jump shot would come now. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm watching the wrong games. I can't watch every Houston game. I don't find myself super worried about him. I actually think he might be pretty good. Where are you on him midway through, two-thirds of the way through year one? So I just did this, you know, rookie power rankings, and um, and I was like, Jabari Smith, I need to figure out. And so I watched full games, and I was like, show me the best games that he's played this year, and let me see him when he's playing at his absolute best. And I came away, like, very worried about Jabari Smith. Really? Okay, yeah. tell me why. I just, I don't know his feel for the game. It just isn't there, you know? And he's so upright. He's so hunched over. Um, he, he, like, what is he, you know, like, is he, what is he is a fair, is a fair question. Spot up shooter who plays really hard on defense, you know, like that's kind of, and like, so where is the pathway to being a star? I mean, we thought that he was going to be this nuclear shooter who's just running off screens and, you know, handling it in the open floor and and pulling up for threes. And maybe we'll still get that at some point. Cause if if that is really, really exciting, and but he's just he hasn't made shots all year and like and he's bad inside the arc and you want to squint and it's like be encouraged by his defense but I'm like man he makes a lot of mistakes there too I mean he's still young so he'll figure that out and again it's a dumpster fire of a team so it's it's hard because you know when when you're not getting those easy looks those easy baskets it's it's hard to get going and then he starts pressing and he's taking bad shots and you know he sees Kevin Porter taking horrible shots and Jalen Green and it's you know it's depressing I'm sure you know like he's putting on this pressure on himself um you know he sees um Paolo having this great year and I mean Keegan Murray and Matherin and you know and so I'm sure that you know he's and he is like a very, very high character guy. And he and he is the youngest of, you know, the, the three guys that went in the top three. So you have to give him time. But, you know, patience is not a virtue for me. I'm I'm Israeli. You know, like you just see me drive. Uh, but um, <laughs> I don't you know, like it's it's just, you know, nothing that I saw, you know, like led me to be like, I got to put this guy in my top 10 and like, you know, he's going to figure it out. But like, listen, I mean, I could change my mind in a month from now. Like that's what, that's what we do. Right. I'm a very picky driver, very demanding high standards <laughs> as a driver. When you are on the road, we are all part of a shared civilization. We're all counting on each other. We're all counting on each other to follow the rules. Don't just stop in the middle of a, a an intersection where you're supposed to keep going and wave, start waving people in you. That's not what you're supposed to do. Drive safely. But like when the light turns green, particularly if it's a light that's got a big line and like a limited green arrow, you got to go like go. OK, we're all counting on you're you. a honker. No, I don't honk because I just honking. I think I'm scarred from living in New York for 20 years. I just hate the sound of honking and car alarms and all of it. So I will just get cranky in my car and silently cranky and grumbling. But like you, you got to go, man. Like you got we're all we're all part of a civilization. And don't you dare text. Don't text. And in parking lots, parking, the moving to the suburbs has taught me parking lots are like the most dangerous places in the world, man. Parking lots. I'm more worried about getting people getting run over in parking lots than I am like anywhere. Park People are just backing out. I, anyway, it's a good transition into the Hornets, actually, uh, just disasters and accidents. But um, about on Houston, 
on Smith. So I guess what I'm betting on is the character, the defense, the competitiveness, because he gets fired up in ways that I like. The shooting, most guys who are have reputations as shooters and they struggle early, they find their shot. They become shooters. And that just, I just can't imagine being a 19-year-old off-ball rookie trying to like get the ball on this team and do stuff with it. And I've seen enough like pump and go lefty hesitation dribble. Like there's enough, it's like once every two games, it's not a lot, but there's stuff in there under the hood that if people are selling their Jabari Smith Jr. stock already and calling him a bust, I'm going to buy it up. I'm not saying he's going to be a star. Obviously, like the Paolo Jabari fork in the road what if was a grand slam home run for the Magic and a big strikeout for Houston. Not that they could have done much about it. Um, but I, I, I still like what I see there. They just need they just need someone to organize their team. And maybe it's as simple as just not having both Porter and Green. Uh, I, not having both of them. Maybe it's as simple as what you're saying. It's just like move on from Kevin Porter and get a traditional point guard. Get someone who can just get this team organized. Do we really need to talk about Charlotte? He's going to be fine. You're right. But like, what do you do in like Shangoon and him are the same position? No, like, can they play together? Like, are they, is Shabari a five? Is Shangoon a five? Like who, who guards the fives? Shangoon. Well, maybe you, maybe you mess around with the matchups. Like maybe it just depends what kind of five you're dealing with. And yeah, Shangoon's got to get stronger. He's got to get better defensively. Um, You know, he's young, he's young and he's not a leaper and not a rim protector in the way you want. Not no, not like Duran is going to be. Um, but the passing and the post game and the ability to initiate the offense is very, very rare. And the post game is like a little nastier, a little meaner, and a little more physical than you think it's going to be for a second-year player who's a passer, who's a pass-first player. He's kind of nasty in the post. He's got that little push shot, that push shot. He's the new Rashawn Holmes. Remember Rashawn Holmes' push shot seemed to go in every single time? That's Shingun now. Charlotte, I just don't have a lot to say. It's just it's just a disaster. And of all these teams, nobody needs to get lucky in the lottery more than Charlotte. Um, I don't need to go through like 20 years of bad draft picks and just from from Michael Kidd Gilchrist to James Booknight, who is has a whole slew of off court stuff going on and never plays. Um, Mark Williams is pretty good, like what I've seen from Mark Williams. Lamella Ball's awesome. I haven't loved Lamella Ball's game this year, though. I all the coaches there love Lamella Ball. They say he's unselfish and works really hard and comes with a positive attitude. And they've all like, and it's a crusty old school staff, and they all love him. So that means something to me. And he's really, really good. And you can't teach the height and the passing. I just feel like he's been a little bit of a ball hog this year. A little bit of a shot. A little bit of a hoggy, hoggy shooter. PJ Washington is pretty good. Didn't get the Jalen McDaniels trade. Just didn't get it. Like, why Why would... I don't understand. They traded Jalen McDaniels for, like, a second-round pick? I don't get it. And the, and the rationale is, well, I have to choose between Jalen McDaniels and PJ Washington in free agency. I'm like, why? But what am I up against the freaking tax next year? I'm not. Why do I have to choose between two good young players? I'm I'm the Charlotte Hornets. I should want all the good young players. I just don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of draft picks coming in. I get the Nuggets pick this season, whoop de doo. I don't know. It's just not it's not great. I I think LaMelo is a sleeping giant. 
You know, I think that he's one of the most talented young guards in the NBA. And I, but I have been a little bit disappointed like you that they haven't pushed him to work on his deficiencies the way that I'd hoped. You know, I, I, I tune in once in a while because I just love watching him play. To me, he's like one of the most fun guys to watch in the NBA. And he's still coasting and, you know, showing up every other game. His intensity isn't there. And I get it. It's hard, you know, like when you're such a bad team, you know. But I uh, I, I think LaMelo it, surrounded with the right pieces and the right coaching staff and all that being pushed the right way. LaMelo is, you know, he's a top 20 player in the NBA. I hope nobody unearths this clip. It must have been a year and a half ago. It was a long time ago in my defense. It was like maybe two years ago. On NBA Today, they did this the thing that just a horrible thing where they make you do an either or. And they put you on the spot and you have to pick. And it was, all right, which they asked all of us, who do you want for the next 10 years, LaMelo Ball or John Morant? And I love John Morant. Love John Morant. Love the way he leads. Love the way he plays. And I sat there anguished on the screen. I did this. I like did... Oh, why are you guys doing this to me? And then I looked and I said, I don't feel good about it. I love John Moran. But 6'8", 6'8", with the passing and the shooting, I think I'm going to take LaMelo Ball. And I think three out of four or two out of four of us took LaMelo. Obviously, looks like a, a horrible take in retrospect. Horrible. Um, I got a text from... Uh, I got some texts from... People who are are in Jaws circle that like you're insane. You better hope he never sees this that on TV. I got some texts from very very good um, players. I got, one of them was a WNBA player who was like, I kind of agree with you. It's Lamelo. I mean, like that's how high I am on just the hu- the size. It's the size, the ability to shoot off the dribble, and the ability to make any pass on the floor because of your size is so rare. That I, I didn't think it was crazy two years ago to choose him over Morant. And I was super high on Morant already. It looks dumb in retrospect, but that's how much hope I had for him. I just don't know what's going on. I just have, it's just not a. He's tw- well, he's 21, you know, like, I mean, there are players who are going to be, many players are going to be drafted in this year's draft that are older than LaMelo Ball. And they're just now starting their NBA career. So like. Lamelo has he has time to figure it out, but like I I want to see him taking the next jump, but like it's he's I just mean, out there doing like and and it's hard to blame him because what is he supposed to do? Like Gordon Hayward plays half the games. Terry Rozier shooting forty one percent. He's had a eh, year. By the way, Ja Ja's shooting percentage is kind of sneakily getting a little worrisome right now. He's down to thirty one percent from three, forty some forty nine I think, or maybe fifty one from two. It's not great. Neither here nor there. Um. Charlotte's fourth, they're fourth, whatever. Um, tell me about Bronny James because you did your 2024 mock draft today as well. Uh, as you can imagine, haven't been, ha- don't have my finger on the pulse of uh, the Lithuanian kid who's number one in your 2024 mock draft. The headline, though, obviously was Bronny James, who, you know, everyone's been wondering is, is he going to be a second round pick? Is he going to get drafted? This is not two years ago. It's like, is he really going to be a serious NBA prospect? Because of of the murmurings of not murmurings LeBron has said it that he wants to play with his son. Now he's a, a lottery pick in your draft. Tell me how that happened and what the reaction you got from inside the league was about about people who've been tracking him for all these years like you putting him that high. 
I mean, first of all, the context of this draft. I mean, I love Bronny and I'll, you know, I think he's going to be really good. So I'll stand behind that. But you have to understand that this is the worst high school class we've seen in 20 years. This up and so the 2024 draft, trade all your picks right now, man. Because I don't, I mean, like it's really, really depressing. It's too late. They're already traded. <laughs> exactly. Half of them have been traded, but you know, you still have this offseason. Next year is deadline. So, like, maybe people would just give them away, you know, like, because I, I wouldn't want to be drafting at the top of next year's draft next year because, like, those guys, there's nice players, you know, like, and so I, the way I ranked it, I was like, let's talk about floors. Okay. And that's why, you know, Matas Buzel is number one, 6'10 point guard. Great feel for the game, can dribble pass and shoot, you know, like really smart off the ball defensively, you know, kind of like a Franz Wagner type, you know, like sounds not really great. Sounds, sounds great. Great. Not what you normally okay, but he's still, I mean, he's 185 pounds, you know, like and he, you know, he it's there's no guarantees that he's gonna get there. You know, that's the archetype that we're talking about. But you know, it's not what you expect to find normally at one. Usually the top of the draft, you know, and there's guys that like, you know, it's it's Paolo, it's Chet, it's Anthony Edwards, it's Lamelo Ball, um, you know, it's guys that you're like these guys are going to be all stars, you know, and so I mean, it doesn't always work out that way, but the twenty and like you start going down the list and you're like, man, this guy hasn't gotten any better in twelve months, this guy hasn't gotten any better in eighteen months, and these are like the top ten recruits, and so these guys are they're not growing, they're not evolving, they're not changing, and so. The one guy that is improving every time I see him is Bronny. You know, I've been watching him since he was a freshman in high school. Um, he was short. He was skinny. He didn't have any skill back then. He wasn't even that athletic, to be honest with you. Every time I watch him, I'm like, holy cow, Bronny has made another jump. He's now you see him. He's six foot four. He's chiseled. He's got like this Marcus Smart body. Um, and he just like absolutely wrecks everybody on defense and then on top of that he's you know he's really made strides with his jumper he's making like these deep pull-up threes now he's a tremendous connector and teammate and like he's a high floor guy you know like maybe i made the comp to d'anthony mountain people are like well you don't take d'anthony mountain at 10 so yeah but if you redraft that draft you know like d'anthony mountain you know like is probably like a top 15 guy and so like when you're picking from really bad options i'll take Bronny because and people are like oh well you're 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 accounting for the fact that you're gonna get lebron with Bronny. i think that had nothing to do with my decision i think Bronny is really good and so the reaction that i got i was surprised a lot of the people from the nba they hit me they're like man I like Bronny too. I was hoping that he would stay underrated. And that's the crazy part. Like, like the son of the most famous player in NBA history is underrated, you know, like, and, and I think the, the big criticism people have, it's like, well, how could he be ranked 28th in his high school class, but he's 10th on your board. It's like, well, dude, I don't do those high school rankings. I mean, those guys, you know, I, they get it wrong every year. We get it wrong every year. So I'm not going to be bound by the fact that, just because he was ranked 35th two years ago, um, you know, th that's the hard part when you're making high school rank. It's like they don't like dropping guys, you know, like the, a guy starts at fifth when he's a high school sophomore. They're not going to drop him to 45th. And so which is, you know, probably more realistic for where he should be. And, you know, when Bronny, he, they had him at 50 and now he's kind of slowly creeping up. 
I guarantee you when the next rankings come out, everybody's going to have him top 15, top 20. I mean, he's he's got a McDonald's All-American invite. He's at the Nike Hoop Summit. Now, USA Basketball, they invited 10 guys, okay? Like 12 guys, excuse me. They don't mess around. They're not after hype. And so, like, they invited him because they thought he could help them win the game at the Nike Hoop Summit. And, and that's what he's going to do in college. He's going to win you a lot of games. And he's exactly the position that people are looking for, you know? Josh Hart got traded for a first-round pick. You know, like, there is value in that type of player. Marcus, you know, Marcus like, Smart was the sixth pick in the draft. Exactly. I mean, Marcus Smart was a better scorer probably at that age. Uh, but Bronny has got a much better feel than Marcus Smart does. You know, he's not this wild decision maker that Marcus was at that age. But the guy's a winner, you know. And so, like, and I'll go to war with a guy like Bronny. And I'm also, I'm projecting improvement here in the next 14 months. I think Bronny James, the trajectory that he's on, he's going to keep getting better and better and better. He's going to keep growing. His body's going to get bigger and bigger. He's going to get more explosive. He's And also he's got, he's got the best genes and he's got the best training. And so like I've learned, those are the guys that you bet on. It's the, it's the sons of the former NBA players. Their track record is just impeccable. And so like, I'll, I'll, I'll take a flyer on Ronnie James. I mean, I, I think the guy's tremendous. I think it's cool and not surprising that LeBron's son has never been like out there chucking and, trying to do fancy stuff that you're describing him as like a winner, glue guy, defender, good passer, good vision, all that. I think that's very fitting. Uh, it and says a lot about LeBron, by the way, like that the way I'm saying, like it's hard to raise kids, especially imagine LeBron's situation, you know, like where he's, you know, so obviously LeBron and, and his wife, clearly they did an incredible job because like he is the best teammate, you know, like he's picking guys up, you know, like he's not about the hype. Um, you know, he's always making the right play. I mean, like he's just a really good, cool basketball player. And that's hard. That's hard to develop, honestly. Not breaking ground here, but the LeBron angle does make Bronny's draft process. Very, very interesting. Um, because whoever you are, you give yourself a chance at LeBron at twilight LeBron and son playing together. You are the hottest ticket in the NBA immediately. LeBron, by the way, is currently averaging 30 points a game. He's still amazing. Uh, do, do people try to trade up for that pick? Do the Lakers try to trade up for that pick? You know, I mean, like who knows what the possibilities are, but that's a, that's a, a question for a different day. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I gave you two quick questions to wrap the podcast on. Are you ready? Go for it. Sure. Question one, forget the playoffs for a second. Next 20 games, rest of the regular season, who has the most at stake? Or who's who's the most interesting to you? Who has the most at stake of the 30 teams? I think it probably has to be the Lakers or the Warriors, but I'm going to go with the Lakers here, you know, just because, you know, Russ is gone. LeBron broke the record. The circus is over. That's It's no longer this cloud that's hovering over them that they need to feed into every game. And, you know, they've built a pretty deep hole for themselves, you know, like with, you know, their record right now. And I was just looking at this earlier. They have like the fourth hardest schedule in the NBA still remaining. And you just wonder, you know, how many games are you going to get out of LeBron and AD, you know, like. And so and they've already played now with this trade. They had a great trade de deadline, but they played most of their chips already, you know. So like they finished the season in a disappointing way. Um, you know, you just wonder what this offseason is going to look like. Where do they turn to to, you know, to change their outlook going into next year? 
Now it's only been the Pelicans um, without Zion and I think without CJ too, and the Warriors without Wiggins and Curry, but they've looked good. The revamped team has looked good. I think starting Beasley and Vanderbilt as the sort of two leftover starters has been smart and played out well. They're creeping up. They're creeping up. I went off the beaten path a little bit and went Minnesota. 31-30, and 30, clinging tenaciously, clinging to a play-in spot. Traded all their picks for Gobert. Obviously, oh, Utah, an unprotected pick. And I can tell you they are for sure losing sleep over the possibility of like, what if? What if we miss the playoffs? What if the lottery gods are cruel to us? What if? What if? And then the Towns thing. They've been about 500 without Towns. It's been out for a while. Anthony Edwards has ascended to all-star status. It's his team. He can he can say all the th- politely as, as many times as he wants. It's our team. It's me and Carl's team. It's his team. It's Anthony Edwards' team. How does that fit work out? They have a very, whenever he comes back, they'll have very little time to see how he looks again with Gobert before the playoffs, the play-in, the offseason, whatever it ends up being. I think they're under a lot of pressure to to, to write the, not write the ship, but to get the ship steering in some waters that are just not 500. Um, last question is now include the playoffs. And, and obviously we don't know exactly who's going to make the playoffs in either conference. Which team has the most at stake in the playoffs? I mean, a bunch of candidates here. I mean, I, I can't wait for the playoffs. I think it's going to be amazing. There's so many great storylines. You look at Phoenix and the Clippers and Miami and the Knicks. But probably number one on my list here is Philly. Because what happens if Philly loses in the first round of the playoffs? Or even if they make the conference semis and they end the season on kind of a disappointing note again. Um, James Harden can opt out of his contract this summer. What, what does Embiid do? If they, if their season ends in disappointment and Harden is out the door, where where do they go from here? You nailed it. My my answer says Sixers slash Clips, but I went Sixers. I I just feel like all the discussion about Philadelphia has been off a little bit this season, at least in the national media. I understand the skepticism that they could ever beat Milwaukee or Boston in a playoff series. Believe me, I understand. I've seen James Harden in elimination games. I get it. I've seen Joel Embiid underperform in the playoffs. I get it. I get it. They are loaded for bear. Like They have everything they need to take a real shot at one of those teams. And the other prong of it is exactly what you just said. I just don't think people have realized the downside of what could happen here. If they if they limp out with their tail between their legs again in the second round, or God forbid the first round, I'm assuming they're going to win their first round series. Maybe that's dumb of me, but if, if it's four one Milwaukee and Harden is like, well, I just didn't get the ball, you know, I shot one time in the second half, ball didn't find me, and he's a free agent and he can walk away, and I can tell you right now, pick any pick pick a few teams that have a lot of draft picks and stuff to trade. They all are wondering. Exactly the question you just asked, the question I asked in my column today. What does Joel Embiid do in that case? But that's a story for another day. Jonathan Gavoni, you have your mock draft 2024 up. You have a big article about Wembenyama with Brian Windhorst up, which is super fascinating. Um, what else we got coming next week? We got we got any, what we got rookie power rankings right before the rising stars, the Ruffles rising stars sounds. Is it Ruffles? Kia? Ruffles? No Ruffles just sounds funny to me. <laughs> like the fact that we have to call like welcome back to the Ruffles celebrity game, sponsored by Ruffles. Um 
What else we got coming up from you? Um, nothing next week. Thankfully, getting ready for conference tournaments, the the NCA tournament. You know, it's all happening um, in March, and so we're just we're watching the end of this conference um, uh, play the season and just trying to figure out this draft, which it's going to be a work in progress for the next four months. Well, your work is second to none. We're lucky to have you. Jonathan Gavoni, go on with the rest of your day. Thank you for giving us a little time. Thanks, Zach. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.